Welcome to another powerful word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church in the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Christmas desserts, welcome tonight. Uh, Christmas deserts, welcome tonight. Uh, and it is a dessert, isn't it, to get the word of God during this Christmas season. You know, uh, this coming Sunday uh, in this year, is December the 24th, it's Christmas Eve, and, and it is our time-honored, set-aside time, a season of the year, in which we celebrate God sending His only begotten Son so that we might have life, that He sent Him as the light of the world. You know, the Messiah, a Son of God, Son of Man, Savior of the world. And, and uh, I want to encourage you uh, to dedicate some time this year making sure that you set aside time to remember that Jesus is the reason for the season. I know you hear that and it sounds cliche-ish, but it's not just that. It's the truth. Jesus is the reason for the season. And if we could just, if, if we had capacity to step outside of our life for just a moment, to step into a, a world that God sees, we would see everything that we're going to be reading tonight make sense. We would see why God is trying to get us to pay attention to Him, why God is trying to get us to make Him the most important thing in our everyday decisions. We would see the impact of lives that we can touch, that we can influence, we can uh, you know, uh, reach for Him. And so uh, let me encourage you to dedicate some time in your schedule. I know you're busy, but dedicate some time in your, in your busy days, busy season to worship the Lord, to, to thank Jesus for this uh, uh, season. Uh, and, you know, uh, there are many pain points in life. I don't know if you're familiar with that term or not or if it, if it strikes any thoughts in your head. But there are a lot of pain points in life. There are uh, even pain points associated with Christmas. And uh, what are pain points? Pain points are, are, are normal, uh, normal pain that's associated with activities or endeavors of life. Take, for example, owning a home. If you own a home, then you know that there are some natural and normal pain points to home ownership. One of them is keeping your yard mowed. You know, one of them is putting a roof on your house when you need one. There are some natural pain points. I mean, not everything dealing with home ownership is exciting. Not everything. I mean, and, and, and it's not just like you know, home ownership, but, but not everything dealing with home ownership is painless. Not everything uh, is pleasant. Uh, but owning a home is worth it. We believe it's worth it. So we embrace it. We step into it. We want to. We even pay for it, knowing that there will be some pain points. You know, there are pain points associated with pet ownership. You know, if you own a pet, you know that you are accepting some normal pain points. Now, when it gets abnormal is when we have to, you know, we may want to, you know, uh, we may not enjoy pet ownership. But we enjoy pet ownership as, as, as a people. We, uh, you know, most people would enjoy having a pet 
and accept the normal and reasonable pain points of pet ownership in exchange for the value they get from that. And that's the way it is with everything from driving a car to going to school. You know, uh, uh, going to school has some pain points. They're called tests. You know, uh, you actually have to show up on time. You know, uh, 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 having a job. Having a job has pain points associated with it. Most likely, if you have a job, you have been faced with either getting up or going to bed at a time when you normally would not otherwise have done that. Maybe your job takes you to a location that, that, that you really would prefer not to go if it was just, you know, uh, uh, and I'm just not talking, uh, I'm, I'm not talking about the hardness of jobs, but, you know, jobs have some pain points, you know, uh, they, they just do Attending church. If you make a decision in life that you're going to attend church, you know, there are some pain points associated with that. One is you don't get to sleep late on Sundays. But we embrace those pain points. We embrace, em, em, embrace that hardship as being normal, as being okay, as being reasonable. And so we, 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 we press through those. Uh, how about being married? How about marriage? How about any relationship? pain points of course God is trying to get us to avoid some pain points you know he told us how to avoid pain uh, you know abnormal pain points but many times people you know kind of throw caution to the wind imagining that the pain is worth you know uh, but uh, you know when it gets abnormal many times people have to reconsider if the pain is worth it or not uh, how about raising a family? If, you know, if you have children, you know there are some pain points associated with raising children. You know, one of them is how much they cost. <laughs> one of them is how much they continue to cost. <laughs> you know? um, but you know, the joy of family, according to God and His pattern, exceeds the pain exceeds the acceptable, reasonable, embraceable, I'm okay with, I'll endure the pain. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, there, there are even pain points to eating ice cream. It melts. It falls in your lap. It's sticky. Everything has some reasonable pain points. And if we don't realize that, we may get involved in something, we may commit to something, we may do something, and all of a sudden realize, wait a second, this is costing me something. This commitment that I made, you know, I mean, uh, you know, gosh, I said I'd be a Sunday school teacher, but, you know, I have to be there on Sundays, <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> That kind of thing. You know, it's important that we realize, however, that life, life is not always painless. There are common challenges that every one of us face and that we must embrace. But thank God for the Word of God that, that tells us what pain not to, not to reach out and grab. What we should not do. Because it will cause you pain. It's not that God will hurt you if you do something that, that he instructs you is not wise. It, it's not that God is looking for some way to judge or criticize or punish you. It's trying to keep you from being hurt. He's trying to keep you from, from life causing too much pain. Uh, but the common challenges of life are natural and normal and we all face them. You know, uh, uh, some moments of pain associated with the activities that we do should be expected. And it's not unfair 
to get tired when you exercise. It's just not unfair. We, we, we're hoping in America that we don't raise a generation that feels like it's unfair to get tired. You know, uh, that, it, that, 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 that it's unfair to be corrected. Do you know correction just comes with life? Someone, if you live long enough, uh, you know, someone's going to correct you, whether it's a policeman or a, or a boss or a parent. And it's not unfair. A coach, it's not unfair. A teacher, it's not unfair. You know, uh, someone uh, who works at a store that doesn't want you to step over that line or do it that way or that you got to do it this way, you know. Uh, and they have that right. They have that reason, you know. Uh, you know, life and, 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 and pain, the pain I'm talking about, you know, it's not unfair. We should expect to have less money after we buy something than we did before we bought it. If that's a shocker, if you can't deal with the pain, then you're, you're not prepared for life. Because every time you spend money, you know, reasonably here in, 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 in this basic scenario, every time you spend money, you're going to have less money. It's just a part of life. Well, keeping these things in mind that some pain points should be expected, let's uh, look at our continuing Christmas story in the Gospel of Luke. Tonight we're going to finish out the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke. And, and uh, each uh, service in this Christmas season, beginning in December of, of this year, we have been in the first chapter of Luke uh, uh, talking about some principles of life. We're going to add uh, uh, more principles to our life that the Christmas story exposes us to. Um, the, the, the account of, of the traditional Christmas story in Luke chapter 1 and on into chapter 2, which, uh, which we will uh, share uh, this coming Sunday, uh, uh, Lord willing, uh, we, we, um, we need to, um, to look at why God puts some of these things in perhaps the most read account in the whole Bible is the story around Christmas. It's, it's one of the most familiar stories. And God chose to include so many points, so many principles of life. God chose in this moment of him, of, of, of him telling us the process by which he was bringing his son, our Savior, on the scene. He chose to include so many wonderful points, which are like golden nuggets. You know, that, that, that we, we found a treasure and, and, and we're, we're, we're digging these nuggets out of this treasure in Luke chapter 1 and on into chapter 2 this coming week. Uh, so we are picking up right where we left off this past Sunday with reading this account of Zacharias. You remember, just a, just a quick catch up for those who this may be your, your first exposure to this Christmas message. You know, Zacharias was an older priest. He was in Jerusalem because it was his turn to go to Jerusalem in his group of priests. They lived in another city in Judea. And as we understand, they would go to Jerusalem one month out of the year. And it would be their responsibility as a group of, of priests 
to minister in the temple and take care of the temple and keep the, the lamp uh, uh, you know, a burning and, and keep the bread made and, and keep the altar of incense and the prayer going up and keep the sacrifices going and, and, you know, and, and, and just serve the, the Lord and serve the people uh, in, in, in standing, you know, going to God for the people. And so Zacharias was an older priest. He was well advanced in years. I don't know how old he was, but in our imagination, equating him to someone in our day we would probably imagine him in our day to be about 80 years old let's say okay uh, he was well advanced in years and his wife was was uh, well advanced and and there was no reason for them to believe that they were uh, going to have anything different in life than they currently had and so he's there as he had been many times most of his life one month out of the year, and he was chosen to do something very special. It, 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 it came his lot to go and burn incense before that veil that separated the Ark of the Covenant uh, from the rest of Israel. And so here he is burning incense, and the angel Gabriel appeared at the right side of the altar of incense. And here Zacharias is, 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 is afraid. He's startled. He's surprised. One of the principles that we covered is that some moments, even God moments, can surprise us. And, but yet, you know, Zacharias had to stop being afraid. That's what the angel said to him. Don't be afraid. He had to stop being afraid. It's important for us to realize that, that we can't hear God when we're screaming. Not even when we're screaming in our head. And we must be quiet. Our job is to stop screaming, stop worrying, stop being afraid, and start listening. Because when a God moment surprises us, when we are surprised, yet God is with us. When we are surprised, yet we, we, we know he is, he is living with us and in us and for us, then he has a message to tell us. He will tell us what we need to do. He will tell us what to believe. He will tell us what to think. He will tell us uh, what we should do in light of this uh, thing that surprises us. And so he listened to the angel, and the angel said, Your prayers have been heard. Wow. They weren't current prayers. They weren't prayers that he was praying right now. He didn't even want uh, uh, what the angel said was going to happen. And, and the angel said, You know, your prayers are heard, and, and, and your wife Elizabeth is going to conceive. He said, Whoa, wait. You know, the angel said, nope, it's going to happen. And you need to shut up until it does. Boy, what a lesson. We didn't even cover that one, but uh, that's, that's what he said. So Zacharias goes home, and his wife conceives. For the first five months, she was so embarrassed because it's something that she could not explain, and she didn't want to have to explain it to anybody. You know, sometimes uh, we, we can make a decision, and, and yet it leave us in a place to where we are feeling, you know, afraid, uh, exposed, uh, concerned. And Elizabeth was, 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 you know, she was hiding. She didn't want anybody to, to, to say anything to her about, about her being pregnant. She was just too old. It wasn't normal. It wasn't natural, and she didn't know what to say. I'm like, what, what do you say? Oh, it's a miracle. How many people believe that? Well, six months into her pregnancy, the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary. Mary went down you know, to see Elizabeth, to get some counsel from somebody that had gone through something she had gone through. 
you know, a miraculous pregnancy announced by the angel Gabriel. It's hard to find somebody else that's going to believe you about that one, you know, but Elizabeth would. And the Bible says that, that Elizabeth, and we know also by prophecy, that John the Baptist, they were both filled with the Holy Spirit at that moment when Mary greeted. Wow, you know, uh, there's such a family connection. We learned about that. But uh, Mary stays three months and goes back home. Mary had made a decision. Be it unto me according to your word, God. And because that was her decision, we later see her son saying the same thing. You know, many times we teach our children what they should do in their moments. And Jesus would be in a garden of Gethsemane saying the very same thing. Thirty-three and a half years later, be it unto me according to your word. Not my will, but your will be done. You know, and, and, and that's, that's what John the Baptist also would say the same thing that his mother says. It's just amazing here that, that there's such a connection. Well, when John the Baptist was born, Zacharias prophesied. We talked on this past Sunday how important it is for us to speak the word and the will of God over our children. You know, it, 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 it does something. And not just over our children, but over those to whom the Lord gives us a spiritual connection with. If you have been given, and you can recognize it, if you have been given a spiritual connection by God to someone else, then you have special privilege in their life. You have a greater opportunity to affect and to influence them than others do. It's, it's, let, let me give you a picture. If, if you know someone, well, if you know about someone, you know, they may or may not influence. You may follow them because you want to, but they may or may not influence you. But the closer you let them get to you, let's say they come you know, and, and, and live in your town, well, then they probably have a greater opportunity to influence you because you might respect them a little more. But if they move uh, as your next-door neighbor, how about if they get into your yard? If somebody standing in your yard has a greater opportunity to influence you than this, this you know, but what if you let them on your porch? But what if you let them in your house? But what if you let them in your bedroom? The closer you are to someone the greater you're opening yourself up to their influence. It's just real. If you invite Jesus Christ into your heart, he has a greater opportunity to influence you than if you hold him at arm's length or if you just keep him at church or if you just keep him in the Bible. You know, uh, there is a connection. And Mary had, uh, had great influence over Jesus's life you know God expected that you know uh, Joseph had great influence God told Joseph what to do to, to, to take Jesus and Mary you know down into Egypt after Jesus was born uh, Joseph had influence in his life because of who he was and where he was these things are just natural and and normal and so we must realize that when God has given us a spiritual connection for example, people who choose uh, for Golden Triangle Church on the Rock to be their home church, 
The Bible says that I have to give, as pastor, I have to give an account for their life when I get to heaven. Now, isn't that kind of odd? That God is going to make me give an account for your soul. Wow. The Bible says, so take it easy on preachers. Those uh, Hebrews 13, 7 and 17, I'm paraphrasing, but you can, you can read it. Okay, uh, you know, uh, 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 t- take it easy on them. They watch after your souls so that they can do it without, with, with, without grief. So they'll be happy for you to be a member of their church. Not, oh, Lord. You know? Okay, I didn't have any notes. I'm just, I'm just telling you how important it is to God All of the principles of God's Word show how important it is when you have been given a spiritual relationship with someone else, when you've been given a spiritual covering with someone else, especially when it deals with family or friends or whenever you allow someone into your life. Uh, The the Bible says take, take great care because bad company will corrupt good morals. Yeah. But so will good company encourage you know that's why we surround ourselves with people of like precious faith that's what was going on in the first chapter of Luke is that God is showing us how important it is and here's Zacharias who was given he didn't carry this child but he was given special authority by God over the life of John the Baptist. John the Baptist had the spirit of Elijah. He was carrying the spirit of Elijah with him. Not the literal spirit. Not He wasn't Elijah reincarnated. Okay, But he was carrying the same mantle, the same anointing, the same mission to go before the Lord Messiah and to prepare a way for him. And, 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 and even at that, yet Zachariah, Zacharias was the one that God chose to stand over him and to speak the word of God over his life. Wow, that's pretty powerful when you have been given the authority by God to prophesy, to speak the will of God over someone's life, be it a spouse, be it a friend, even being a neighbor that you feel God has given you a responsibility in your neighborhood. You know, God moves people into neighborhoods to bless neighborhoods. He moves people. He puts people at work in certain job places because that place needs a witness. He puts them there, and and you wake up, and you know you're going to work, or you know you're going to school, and you feel an umbrella authority, and you speak life and peace and blessing over your job and over those people that you're working with and and over your, 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 your clientele over your customers over the people that are coming even to our food pantry we speak life over them we speak blessings over them we pray for them God has given us an opportunity and a special privilege a special umbrella Uh, the the, the Greek word I believe is penumbra he's given us a a scope uh, of uh, an umbrella of of uh, um uh, there's another word, but it's, 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 it's a scope of authority. So here we are with Zacharias, in the middle of Zacharias, prophesying over his son. So he says in Luke 1, verse 76, 
and you, child, he's just speaking just boldly. He's, he's going to just speak what God has put in his heart. He doesn't even know the next word coming, but he's just, he's just speaking a word of knowledge. He's just letting it flow. And you, child, you will be called a prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, which the day spring, the sunrise, this great light from on high has visited us. To give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. <laughs> Man, he's speaking, some, he's speaking some good things over his son here. He's prophesying. He's speaking from his heart. He's speaking as God is giving him utterance. It's, 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 it's a word from God that is flowing through because God has Zacharias in the place to do that. God has people in places to do that. Prophecy is so powerful. Look at verse 80, the last verse in chapter 1. So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts. Till the day of his manifestation to Israel. You know, uh, we discussed on Sunday again the power of prophecy. The power of the spoken will of God over someone's life. In fact, in, 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 in 1 Timothy 1, the Bible tells us to, to make sure that we listen to and we remember the words that are spoken over us. So that by the prophecies that have gone on before, we might war a good warfare. We might know how to make our choices. We might know how to take our stand. We might know how to keep the devil from sidetracking us because of the words from God that we have received in our life. And, and Timothy goes on to say, which some, some people have forgotten what God said over them. Some people have forgotten what God said to them. Some people have forgotten the call of God on their life, which some having put away have made shipwreck. When we forget what God has spoken over us, when we forget what God and, and we push it aside and we, and we no longer pay respect to it, we can use it to do warfare with against the enemy. But when we don't, we can make shipwrecks so easy. Of such, he said, was Hymenius. And he, he named some people who made shipwreck because they forgot. They pushed aside. They made light of what God had called them to do. Um. You know, last night I dreamed a dream. Last night I saw myself. Uh, there was a man who had made a commercial. He was a, he was a very famous man. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know this man. I, he's, he's not famous in my world. I, he wasn't a literal individual. But in my dream, he was very famous. And, 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 and he was very uh, strong. And he'd made this commercial. And this commercial was going around the world. And everybody loved it. It was so powerful. It was so influential. And I had occasion whenever I went to a place. In fact, I went there to actually see this man. And, and, and when he came off of a stage, he was going to pass by me and I stopped him and I said to him in my dream, listen, there's something you have to do. And he said, what? And I pulled him aside and turned him around where he could just, just me and him. And there were people all around. And, and I said, you have to include in your commercial 
The fact that God is calling people, he, Jesus loves them and has a plan for their life, is what I told him. Jesus loves, and you've got to include this. You are so influential. Your, your commercial is so powerful. People are believing it. You have got to include that Jesus loves them and has a plan for their life, and they need to give their life to Jesus. And he, he said, oh, you think so? You think so? And it was like he was trying to walk off, and I got him by the left arm, both hands, and, and I said, Jesus, I, I said, God, I said, God is doing this, and I jerked him. I said, God is doing this right now. I said, people are closer, so much closer. So many people are so much closer to making a decision for Jesus than what you would ever imagine. God is doing this to people right now. He's pulling them, he's drawing them, and he went, really? And then I woke up, and I thought, oh, Lord, you are calling people. You are calling people. They are so close. They're so close. We have got to include Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life. We have got to include, uh, you know, uh, ask him into your heart to become your Lord and Savior. If you have influence, speak the word of God. If someone has let you close, if someone, you know, if, if you have authority, if you have position, if you have opportunity, let them know that Jesus loves them. It doesn't have to be spooky. It doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be fanatical. It doesn't have to be radical. But it must not be absent. The words we speak for God are moving. They are powerful. You are called to use your influence. We are all called. How sad it would be to not carry anything to heaven as long as we're going to be there. We are called to strengthen others by telling them simply what Jesus would say if he was in our shoes because he is. Your shoes may be the only shoes in which Jesus can stand in front of that person at that moment for that need. And you may never know the need. A man came by the church just a couple of days ago. He got out of his pickup. Uh, he just walked across the parking lot. He said, I don't even know why I'm here. I, I, the spirit of prophecy came on me, and I just began to prophesy. I laid my hands on him and just began to prophesy to him. And I just spoke what Jesus would speak if he was standing in my shoes. And, 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 and uh, you know, the, the man began to weep. He said, he said, that's what I always wanted. I told him what God had called him to do and what he needed to do. And I said, now you leave here and you go and you do that. He said, okay. It's that simple. We're life changers. And it's not just preachers. It's, it's people in whom Christ lives. The last verse of Luke tells us that even... Though John the Baptist was called by God and filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb, even though he was very powerful, very important, he was filled with the Holy Spirit from before he was born. Yet, you know, he had to live in the deserts until the perfect time. You see, God had a plan and John had to wait. Can you imagine being filled, being, you know, potentially the only person in the world except, you know, Jesus, the Messiah, you know, but the only person in your world that, 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 that you know, you have a singular calling, you're filled with the Holy Spirit and nobody else has it. We understand that John the Baptist spent approximately 30 years 
preparing. And only perhaps less than three years actually ministering. And it's very possible, as we imagine, that, that neither uh, uh, Elizabeth, his mother, or Zacharias, his father, ever got to hear him preach. After all that prophecy, both of them were probably dead before he ever began ministry. Wow, you think they were disappointed? You know. Hey, look, uh, we imagine his parents, you know, uh, Believed God all the way up until their death. You see, waiting on God can seem like a pain. It just can. But actually, it's more normal and more common than anything else. Waiting on God is what we should do. Uh, in fact, the principle of waiting on God is so important that he included here in this particular story. Uh, I, but but, but uh, you know, waiting on God can seem like pain. But let me tell you the real pain. The real pain is moving before God. The real pain is getting ahead of God. Whew. Just, just talk to your friends. <laughs> talk to your family. Yeah, the real pain is not waiting on him. Um, if you have ever felt like you are in a desert, you have a dream in a desert. You have a dream, but you're in a desert. Y'all remember what that ever felt like? Y'all remember? You know, perhaps you're there right now in a dream, you know, with a dream in a desert, waiting on something to happen that you can't make happen. Okay, well, let me tell you what to do. This is what you do, okay? And I'm closing with these three things. If it feels like you're in a desert, you have a dream, but you're in a desert, and you're just, you know, not doing much, do what John did. This is what verse 80 said. Number one, he grew. It's time for you to grow. Grow. Take the time God gives you and grow. Take this time and grow. That's, that, that's what John the Baptist did. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was called by God, but he had to take this time and grow. It was time for him to grow. It wasn't time for him to go. It was time for him to grow. The Bible says he grew. What does this mean? It means invest in yourself while you're waiting. Invest. Become the best version of you that you can be. Don't waste time, you know, uh, uh, wasting time. Uh, work on uh, being a better version. Grow up. <laughs> okay? Grow up. While you're waiting, grow up. Okay? Uh, number two, become strong in spirit. The Bible says he grew and he became strong in spirit. Become strong in spirit, yes. You know, not only do you want to invest in yourself in the time that God gives you, you know, uh, but, but you also want to invest in your relationship with God. Go deeper in God, stronger in your spirit, um, uh, so the devil cannot move you out of God's plan. Because, you know, the devil, don't you imagine he tempted uh, John the Baptist to drink wine and to party and to not live in a desert? But after all, the desert had some locusts, it had some wild honey, and it had some, uh, had some camel hair. What more do you want? Okay. <laughs> I promise you it's better to live in a palace, uh, excuse me, better to live in a desert with God than in a palace without him. Yeah. Gain some resolve to remain committed to the call while you are waiting on God. Grow Become strong in spirit, and for goodness sake, number three, wait on God. Don't take matters into your own hands. Don't mess things up. Don't grow impatient. Uh, the Christmas desert is not a bad place to be. When you're in the desert with the Holy Spirit, it's not a bad place to be. 
There are a lot of ways to cook locusts. Wild honey will always be sweet. And camel hair is pretty warm and soft. I have a camel hair jacket. I should have wore it tonight. So, if you're in a desert, grow, become strong in spirit, and wait on God. He won't leave you there forever. Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.